Turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5, hold your place there, and uh, I'm going to introduce our time to, tonight in just a moment, but I want us to open up our hearts once again in prayer, just to personally say, God, speak to me tonight and change my life. And can you make that kind of a prayer tonight? Just, Lord, speak to me tonight and change my life. Lord, speak to me tonight. And Lord, even though I'm the, the, the speaker, I pray you'd speak to me tonight and change my life. Let your word grow and expand in my heart. And not only in my heart, but my brothers and sisters' heart. My friends and family, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Now, last Wednesday, how many of you were here last... This is not an indictment. Let me just say, how many weren't here last Wednesday night? Because I'll give it... I'll give, okay, I'll give a little... Uh, Update because this is kind of a two-parter tonight that kind of dovetails uh, in from Sunday morning. And on Sunday morning, as you know, we've been talking about what it takes to make heaven happy. How many of you want heaven to be happy? And one of the big things that makes heaven happy is when that which is lost is found. Everyone say, when that which is lost is found. Speaking of humanity... We were all lost and on our way to a devil's hell, but he found us. We've been born again. Uh, and so that makes heaven happy. And so we looked at what's it, Luke 15, the three parables, the lost sheep. Uh, this is Sunday morning, the lost coin and the lost son, the prodigal son. And, and then last Sunday, we talked about other important elements that make heaven happy. And, and so this little two-parter kind of dovetails from that. Or, uh, and it's, we talked about last Sunday, transforming daily routine into divine appointments. In fact, uh, I pray that if you were here last Wednesday and you took this to heart, you had some divine appointments in your life with other people. Uh, you may have thought they were a little small, but hey, whatever you realize, ooh, I'm, I'm learning how to take advantage of the divine appointments that God has for me. And I promise you, he does. And so that was last Wednesday night. And of course, I'll always say, if you'd like to go to the website and get this in its entirety, you certainly can do that. It's titled, Transforming Daily Routine into Divine Appointments. And let me just say, Christians should never have just a humdrum daily routine. Our, our life ought to be spiced up with divine appointments from God in behalf of those which are lost and need to be found. Could I get a better amen? And so that was last Wednesday night. And I gave you three things. I kind of finished off with these thoughts. And here they were. We need to live every day with a sense of divine mandate in our life. In fact, we looked at uh, last Wednesday night. We looked in, is it John 4, where uh, Jesus met the woman at the well. It was a divine appointment. And, and we learned, that's what we learned from John, in John 4, the woman at the well. Uh, and the, it turned out that, uh, the, all that village, all of that town came out to hear the word of God. And many, many people were born again because Jesus' interaction with one woman who had issues. Uh, and so uh, it says in verse 4 that it, Jesus needed to go through Samaria. In other words, he realized that he had an appointment with, with a woman at the well. He realized at the very least that the Spirit of God was urging him to go through Samaria, which was against the religious culture of the day, if you remember that. And so, but we've got to live like that. We've got to live every day 
with a sense of divine mandate. I, I have, I, I have to put that into my head every day. Uh, and, and because how many of you know, we can get in a daily routine in a hurry. I said, how many of you know we can get into a humdrum daily routine in a hurry and we forget that we are God's ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ and God has divine appointments for us. And so I said uh, last Wednesday night, live every day with a sense of divine mandate. Number two, I said, learn to look and listen every day for open doors of opportunity. They come in unique places and unique times. And, uh, you know, I, I remember it's so easy to, be, uh, you know, when... When uh, Gideon was in the hospital, it was divine opportunity and appointments were abounding everywhere. Even in the middle of our trauma and trouble, there were, Josh, there were a lot of people having a lot worse issues there than we were. And you could tell some of them didn't have a clue about how to handle these things. And we, we all walked through a number of divine appointments. My wife, especially because she's more sensitive to those things than I, and she's a a woman of mercy and compassion. Uh, and so, but Hey, it doesn't take a hospital visit. They're everywhere every day. Learn to look and listen every day for open doors of opportunity. Then I said this, uh, let the Holy Spirit speak through you every day. That's how, that's how Jesus, uh, uh, tagged, if you will, or, uh, uh, this woman spiritually, he spoke into her life, a prophetic word. God spoke through him. And she said, I perceive you are a prophet. Uh, you know what? That's what the gifts of the Holy spirit are all about touching people's lives and making a difference. And so I said this, so with that in mind, therefore be ready. Everybody say, be ready. In the morning when you get up, I want you to be ready. Uh, in fact, if you have to stop to go to the grocery store before you get home or get gas or whatever you have to do, be ready. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to be ready. Peter said, be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. Okay, always be ready. Then I said, be sensitive. Be sensitive to others and be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Listen and let the Spirit of God speak to you and through you. And then I said, be bold. Let's step through that door and be bold and just say, you know what? Here we go. This is a divine opportunity. I'm going to be bold. Jesus was bold with this woman. He wasn't brassy, but he was bold with her. He, he, he became a nosy pepper in a sense in the Holy Ghost. He got jalapeno business. And, and before long, the whole city is here in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You get the picture? Look at your neighbor, give him a fist bump, say, how about you, brother? Boom, blow it up. Okay. So that was last Wednesday night. Now, I want to kind of, I want to build on that a little bit tonight and talk about making the most of every moment. When those opportunities come, when those moments come, and that's where Ephesians, we'll kick off with Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, very well-known verse, but I want you to see it. Paul said this, see then that you walk circumspectly. Everyone say circumspectly. That means wisely. Now, he's talking about, pardon me, how you live and how you move through life. See that you walk wisely, circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Catch verse 16, redeeming the time. Everyone say that. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now that phrase, redeeming the time, is huge. It means making the most of every opportunity. He's not talking about, uh, the, there's two words in scripture that are translated time. Uh, chronos, which is tick-tock, tick-tock. And then kairos, which is a whole different sphere. It, it's, it's really divine opportunities. Uh, and how many of you know, in the midst of our chronos, God has kairos. 
If you'll wake up in the morning and go, man, I, I know my Kronos is telling me I need to get to work, but my Kairos is telling me that, that they're in the middle of my Kronos. God has a Kairos for me today, not just for me, but to, for others. And so uh, if we'll make the most of that, and I want that's what we're going to talk about a little tonight, and, and, and uh, just share with you something that is on my heart that I'm praying over uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about. Ephesians five fifteen and 16, redeem the time because the days are evil. I love this Martin Luther quote. Martin Luther said this, uh, there are really only two days in my calendar, this day and that day. Everyone say this day and that day. Now, what was he saying? He was saying that Today is the only day, today I've got to make the most of this day because I'm living for that day. He's talking about the day when he stands before the Lord Jesus Christ and gives an account of the life and how he lived on planet earth. And, and so he, he, what's he saying? I've got to make the most of this day because I'm going to stand before God on that day. Do you get it? And so let's, hey, how, how many of you want to remember a Martin Luther quote? Here it is. There are really only two days in my calendar, this day and that day. And so, and, and, and that's a great way to live life, okay? Uh, live life making the most of this day to, in order that we can please God on that day. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And, and Jesus, of course, is our model to follow here. Jesus lived every day for the glory of God. He lived every day to please God. Uh, and uh, here's what I want you to catch today. Here's, his, here's what he did. And this is how he made the most. And this is what I want us to talk about tonight. Jesus made the most of every moment by living and moving through life supernaturally. Everyone say supernaturally. You know what? I, I'm, I'm just like you. I, I get befuddled about the supernatural. I, I, I wonder sometimes why it's, it seems so hard to, to uh, see manifest. And then certain times it just seems to crop up out of thin air almost. God does a miracle. Uh, but we've got to begin somehow, some way to engage God and engage who we are and began to trust God and believe God and live with a sense of expectation that God is going to supernaturally move through us. Okay? So we can make the most of every moment. So with that in mind, let me show you. You got your Bible with you. I want to show you some scripture. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. Let me just show you just a couple of passages in Matthew that validate the supernatural ministry of Jesus. Uh, and, and, and you know it's just filled up with his life and miracles. But let me show it to you. Matthew 4, 23. Look what it says here. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, watch this. Watch this twofold punch here. It's the word and the, and the, and the spirit, okay? Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom. And catch this, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Now catch this, then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. 
great multitudes followed him. Now, catch, catch, catch all that. Man, he's just, he's just rocking and rolling with the ministry of the Word of God and supernatural ministry. And because of all that, the, his fame and, and evangelistic fervor spread throughout all the region. Okay. Now, one more. Let me just show it. And I know you know this, but I just want to show it to you from a biblical standpoint. Matthew 15. Jesus, this is how he lived his life. And how many of you know we need to live our life to the best of our ability, uh, following in his footsteps? Matthew 15, 29 says this. Jesus departed from there. Oh, by the way, he, uh, I don't have time to go through it, but verse 21 through verse 28, uh, uh, he healed a woman who, let's see, she, what was her issue? She, I'll have to read it later, but she, her faith, she had faith and God healed her daughter. That's what it was. Her daughter was sick or demon. Oh, she's demon possessed. And, uh, because of her mother's faith, Jesus pronounced healing. And then after that, it says, then Jesus departed from there, skirted the sea of Galilee and went up to on the mountain and sat down there and great multitudes came to him, having with him, the, with them, the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus feet and he did what? He healed them. So the multitudes marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they, what did they do? They glorified the God of Israel. So Jesus is our model to follow. Now, he said, but he's Jesus for goodness sakes. But he does live in us. And here's what I want you to see tonight. And this is where sometimes I, I just... I just don't grasp this. And the reason I, I'm just being honest with you, uh, but Jesus, when he left planet earth, he gave us not just the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples, but when he would send his ministry teams while he was here out into ministry, he told them to move in the supernatural. He told them not just to preach the kingdom, but to heal the sick. Basically he was saying, you just do what I've been doing. Let me show it to you. Matthew 10. Go back to Matthew 10. I lost Matthew. I got to go back and find him here. Matthew 10. He's sending, is it the 70 or the 12? I, let's see. I'll get there. The 12 apostles. Matthew 10, verse 5. Then the 12, Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the city of Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, catch this, as you go, Preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Catch verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Everybody go, OMG. I'm telling you, he's not mincing words here. He didn't say, when you go, make sure you take the preacher along with you because there's going to be some sick people. He didn't say, when you go, make sure you get Benny Hinn to, uh, to uh, uh, schedule a, a, a healing crusade. No, it's his disciples, his apostles. Uh, and he said, I've given you authority to do this and you go do it because freely you have received, freely give. And so, so, so it's our ministry mandate. If you go over to Luke chapter 10, go over there. Luke chapter 10. I want you to see this from all angles. Luke 10 verse 9. This is the sending of the 70. It was 70, it was, uh, 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 35 evangelistic teams going out in, in twos. And here's what he says in verse 9. He says, 
uh, verse 8, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So there you go. The preaching of the word and, and, and the supernatural ministry of healing. And so it's our ministry mandate. Now, go to John 14. Let me show you this. Jesus said this in John 14 about us. And how many of you believe, believe in Jesus? How many of you trust in, relied upon, and clung to him as your Savior and Lord? Look what he says about you. He's talking about you here. Verse 12, most assuredly I say unto you that he who believes in me. Is that you? You say, he's talking about me now. Come on, say it out loud. He's talking about me now. And then tell your neighbor, he's talking about you right now. He who believes in me, that means trusts in, relies upon, and clings to. He who believes in me, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Hello. Now, Jesus, I just read to you three places where Jesus is just healing all kinds of people, casting out devils. Anybody ever cast out a devil here? I might be the only one. Anybody? Seriously. Have you cast? I've cast out a couple devils in my time. It's not fun, but it's rewarding. I've had them talk to me just like you see in the movies. I, I mean, there's devils out there. There's demons out there. Uh, they're a little more sophisticated now. They used to just be dumb. Uh, they've got a little more sophisticated. And they hide because when, when, they, when they start talking funny and acting weird, the Christians rise up and go, there's a devil, and rebuke it. Uh, and, and we have a power and authority over that. And, and, and that is the mandate of God for our lives. The works that I do shall he do also, and even greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. And he says this, and whatever you ask in my name, I will, I will do that the Son may be glorified, that the Father... And, Here's the primary purpose, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And everybody said, amen. amen. So it's our ministry mandate. And so I just want to stop right here and talk to myself and talk to you. We have a misconception in our mind because of, uh, of religious experience about how supernatural ministry is best manifest. There, and there are gifts of healing. You read, uh, you read there, people have gifts of healing. And, but what we've done in our culture, in our church culture, we've magnified those gifts of healing and eclipsed the church from moving in the supernatural ministry. This was, hey, uh, Luke uh, 10 was the sending of the 70. They weren't the apostles, the leaders of the church. They were just, just people who had an anointing in their life. Uh, and he said the same thing to them. So here's what we've got to get a hold of. I think the best manifestation of the miraculous is not from some uh, uh, high-profile high-rolling minister who has an anointing on his life. uh, uh, But how about the church began to embrace the reality that God, the supernatural power of the God, he's, he has, he has mandated that we move into that. He didn't suggest it. He didn't say, Hey, if you get the anointing, he didn't say, if you have the gift, uh, he did, he just said, when you go there, you preach the kingdom and heal sick people. Just do like I did freely. You've received, you got healed. So take it to somebody else. Amen. So, Hey, uh, take the pressure off the preacher 
And let's all begin to think through this. Scotty began to think through this. Uh, let's begin to think through this. Say, hey, God, supernatural God uh, lives in me and he wants to move through me. And he has mandated that I not only share the gospel, but I carry it to others. Now, this, my friend, will help you make the most of every moment. When you begin and we begin to move in the supernatural, whether it's a word of, whether it's the gifts of the spirit or miracles of healings in people's life, we back up what we say with what we believe and, and it's no pressure on us. How many of you know if God told us to go do something, then by golly, he thinks we have what it takes for him to move through us. Amen. It's not us. It's him. The, the he, we are not the healers. You've heard the phrase faith healers. Uh, well, look, that's, that's not a correct terminology. Faith may be valid, but I'm not a healer. Now, he said heal the sick, uh, but we're not the healers. Jesus is the healer. Amen. And so, and so it's our ministry mandate. And when you look at the church, the church was born into the midst of the miraculous. You think about they they be, they had followed Christ for three years on planet and watched him do miracles and then he had uh, uh, instructed them the twelve and the seventy and uh, to go do likewise and they came in fact the seventy came back and they said whoo man hey, Jesus even the demons are subject to us in in your name and he said hey don't don't get all excited about that just rejoice that your names are written down. In heaven, that you're on your way to heaven, basically. Uh, and, and so they were born into, and then when Jesus left, and think about the fact when he, when he ascended to the Father, that in and of itself was miraculous. His resurrection was miraculous. And then he spent 40 days and nights and, uh, in, as the resurrected Christ teaching the, this, this fledgling new church. Uh, and then he ascended to the Father before them. How many of you know their miracle uh, mindset was expanding? And he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll be my presence in and through you. And so then when you see the church being birthed there and the Holy Spirit come upon them, miracle, just the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. And one of the first things you see happen after uh, Peter gets up and preaches the gospel and Thousands of people are born again. That's, that's the greatest miracle right there. Uh, the next thing you see in Acts 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. And there's a, one begging alms there. And he, he said, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. Uh, he was crippled. And Peter turned around to him and said, silver and gold have I none. Uh, uh, but such as I have, I'm going to give you. Now, pause right there. What did Jesus tell them back in the Gospels? Freely you have received, freely give. Peter got it. Hey, I got something. And now I'm going to give you something. It wasn't, let's pray. I mean, you just got to catch this. Once you know you got it, you can give it. You can't give something you don't have, but you do have it. But if you don't know you have it, you can't give it. If you had a gazillion dollars in the bank and didn't know it, you couldn't give it to the church. I'd be praying God would open your eyes. But listen carefully, when you began to say, this is what I have because of what he's done for me. And so 
thousands of people are born again. And then we see Peter and John on the way to the temple to pray. And he said, alms, alms. He said, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus Christ. See, he, Peter wasn't the healer. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he grabbed him up. Boom. And he was supernaturally healed. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Wowzers. That's power. And that's what you see the church birthed into. Okay. Now, some people say, well, you know, the miracles died out with the last apostle. I think that's preposterous, by the way. There's no biblical evidence of it. Uh, and uh, uh, it's just not true. Okay. He, he, he's a God of miracles. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so uh, the church was born in the midst of this miracle ministry. Uh, and uh, uh, throughout the, the, the book of Acts and through the, through the letters, you see supernatural ministry. And I think we need to embrace this. In fact, let me just show you some things. We're going to just kind of give a, a, a gunshot, a, 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 what do you call it, a, a shotgun spray, if you will, of miracle ministry from the book of Acts. Number one, you see supernatural demonstration. Let me show it to you. You got your Bible? Go to the book of Acts. I'll just show you some. Acts 9, 36. Here we go. At jo- this was Dorcas brought to life. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when they'd come, they brought him into the upper room and all the windows, uh, and all the widows, the, the windows, all the widows stood by him weeping, showing their, uh, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed and turned to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. Now, and she opened her eyes and when he saw, and, and she saw Peter and she sat up. But now, let me just say, we could learn something just from that right there. He didn't ask God. I mean, he had something in it. He just began to speak it. Uh, and because it was in him, Tabitha, arise. Freely you've received freely give. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her life and became known throughout all. Now catch this. And it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed on the Lord. Supernatural demonstration. Acts 14. Just quickly follow through. Acts 14, 8 and 9. Let's see what it is because my notes uh, have failed me. 14, 8 and 9. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observed him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. Now catch this. Paul saw the faith of this man to be healed and said with a loud voice, Stand upright or stand up straight on your feet. And he leapt and he walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down into the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And you know that Paul and uh, Barnabas, they tore their clothes over verse 14 and said, Hey, we didn't do this. We are not gods. Uh, this is God's work here. And so supernatural demonstration. Look at Acts 19, verse 11. Are you with me? 
staying with me? Here we go. It's Bible study. Acts 19, 11 uh, and 12. Let's see what it says. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. Somebody say amen. There was supernatural demonstration. There's supernatural directives. I like this one. If you go back to Acts 10, and I won't tell the whole story, but Acts 10 uh, is the story of the Holy Spirit falling on the Gentiles. Now, how many of you know up to that point, the Jews and the Gentiles didn't interact? The, Jew, the, Jew, the Jews, Paul, Peter being one, uh, they were just ministering to the, to the Jews. And they thought this was, in fact... Uh, it, it, it was for the Jews, but the Jews began to reject the gospel. And so God said, hey, we're going to allow this grace and gift to be made manifest to the Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So if you're not a Jew and you're a Gentile, you go, hallelujah. Man, and it was a supernatural uh, directive from God. Peter has this detailed vision that he began to realize that God was saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, just like he said he would. And so, uh, and so the story goes that uh, he had this visitation, and uh, he said, arise, go down. And in fact, Cornelius, he had a revelation from God who was a Gentile, and supernatural interaction, supernatural directive, they all link up. Peter starts preaching, and the Holy Spirit's poured out on the Gentiles. And by the way, I've been probably within 100 yards of where that actually happened. And it just gets me goosebumps. I go, I go, man, I'm within 100 yards where the blessed Holy Ghost was poured out on the Gentiles as well. Man, it's real. And I, I, today I'm full of the Holy Spirit because of... Uh, of supernatural directive from God to Peter and Cornelius and a divine interaction there. Uh, uh, hey, a divine appointment. And now we're all beneficiaries of that divine appointment. And then if you went over to Acts 16, here it, it says this concerning uh, divine directives. Uh, Acts 16, it's Paul the Apostle and the Macedonian call. Uh, and it says in verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them also. And so they set, set sail. So we see supernatural demonstration. We see supernatural directives. God supernaturally directing people's paths. And we see supernatural deliverance. I love these two stories. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Peter is in jail. He's in trouble. But God supernaturally frees him from prison. And it says, because constant prayer was offered to God by the church. And God supernatural. An angel came and Peter was so... Either he was so wore out or he was just so peaceful, he's asleep, and an angel had to come shake him and wake him up. 
And he thought he was having a dream and, and led him out and opened the gate and let him free. And he kind of came to himself, realized, man, this is not a dream. And he goes and knocked. Now, here's, the, here's all the disciples. They're, they're, they're spooked because, because persecution has hit the fan. They're all praying for Peter. And he knocks on the door and somebody out, who is it? You know, they don't open the door for anybody because they're putting people in prison. You see, who is it? Peter said, it's me. And, he, and she opens the door and she sees him. Her faith was so strong, she thought she was seeing his ghost. How many of you know, you don't have to, if you just have enough faith to pray and keep at it, God will work in your behalf. It's his ghost. <laughs> I can see her shutting the door. He's dead, his ghost. No, he's going, no, it really is me. God did answer your prayer. Hey, supernatural deliverance. And then in Acts 16, Paul and Silas in jail, in prison. They're about to be, uh, you know, probably martyred and, and uh, supernatural deliverance there. They were at, at midnight, the Bible says, they were singing hymns of praise to God. And the uh, earthquake came uh, and uh, supernatural deliverance. All the doors, all the gates were opened up. All the prison cells were opened up uh, and uh, they were freed. Supernatural deliverance. The book of Acts is full of, of miracles. And the, there's an interesting thing. I want you to go over to the last uh, um, chapter of the book of Acts and look at the last verse. Go back to Acts 28, 31. When you're there, say, I'm there. And it says, Paul went two whole years, verse 30, in his own rented house, received all who came preaching the kingdom of God, teaching the things which concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, and no one was forbidding him. Now, you know what you don't see there? An amen. There's, there's no conclusion. There's, there's no finishing of that letter. Uh, and you know why? Because we're still living in the book of Acts. The church is still active and when you look at most every, look, you know, you're at the end of Romans, he, amen. Amen. In other words, so be it. Hey, there's no amen. We're still there. We still have this responsibility. And, and here's what I want you to embrace about this supernatural ministry. Here's what I want you to catch. I, I inferred it a few times here, and it is this. The miraculous ministry is for the purpose of advancing the Great Commission. So that which is lost can be found. Are you with me? And when you, when you read through the book of Acts, when supernatural ministry was released, you saw it a few times, and, and people came to the Lord. People, you know, the woman at the well, supernatural ministry into her life, the whole city comes to Christ. People get raised from the dead, the city gets saved. And so miracles are for the purpose of advancing the Great Commission. You want, an in, you want to take advantage of every opportunity. S began, to, began to say, I, freely I have received, freely I'm going to give. I'm going to begin to give what I have. And I've, God's done a miracle in my life, and I'm going to begin to give it. I'm going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. I'm going to share the gospel of the kingdom. And when, I, and when people are sick and need a healing, I want to do everything in, in, in my heart to activate the will of God for people to be touched by the supernatural power of God. And God's going to use me. Everybody say, God's going to use me in supernatural ministry. 
Whoo! Amen. And so that's what I want us to begin to embrace. Now, and gosh, just I'll show this to you. Acts, Acts 9. We were there, but I want to show it to you again. It happened twice in Acts 9. Acts 9, 32 uh, through 35. And Aeneas, Aeneas uh, he was healed. Uh, he'd been bedridden uh, eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Jesus, the Christ heals you. Rise, make your bed. Uh, and then he rose immediately. And so, so all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. You see the evangelistic influence there? Same with Dorcas that I read a few moments ago, verse 42. And it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed on the Lord. And so supernatural ministry is for the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God and making heaven happy. Now, sadly, in our culture, it has been uh, hijacked, if you will, and become, a, in, in many cases, a ministry, bu- a, a, a ministry builder of men rather than a great commission tool. And people flock to see, not as much anymore, but flock to see the faith healer come to town. And, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm careful not to speak Negatively, but I'm just telling you, that's not what God had in mind at all. God had in mind for the church to all of us embrace this supernatural anointing in our life and began to allow him to move through us. And so uh, I want to make heaven happy. How about you? And I don't think heaven's happy when people all look at one man or one, uh, one person and, and, and flock to that one person because they think they have a, a healing gift. That, that I understand how that dynamic works. But uh, it's, I just don't think God is looking down at the church uh, in that fashion. And I think his best manifestation of the miraculous is when his church begins to embrace this truth and say, we've been sent by God to, to release the miraculous into the earth and preach and teach and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, let me give you four things and we'll close. Four things that miraculous ministry is empowered by. Okay? Four things. Very simply. Number one, God's Word. God's Word is living and active, the Bible says, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Okay, this is God's Word. Everybody say, this is God's Word. In fact, what does Romans ten seventeen say? Uh, faith comes by what? Hearing the Word of God. And so when you open your ears to hear, and you hear God speak to you through His Word. And I'm convinced the more we get His Word in us, the more faith we have in our heart. And then the more Word we have in us, the more faith we have in our heart. The more we can do as Paul and, and Peter and, and, and these guys did. Uh, we, we got something. I've been given something. I'm going to give it away. It's the Word of God. In fact, I love what Psalm 107 says. Psalm 107.20 says this. He sent His Word. And healed them. I'll never forget a book I read years ago. Her lady's name is Betty Maltz. Betty Maltz. I can, and I can't remember the name of the book. But Betty Maltz got, uh, uh, she had a pan, uh, her appendix rupture and the doctors didn't catch it. This was years ago. It got gangrenous and infected and she died. Uh, but, uh, uh, and she was, uh, I don't remember the whole story, but I remember her saying this when she died. Uh, she she uh, 
was in some limbo kind of state and she saw, I think this is what, it's been so long ago, she saw a cross like a scroll, the scripture. He sent his word and healed them. And just boom, some supernatural healing hit her by. I can't remember the details, but I remember that. Every time I read that scripture, I remember Betty Maltz getting supernaturally healed and raised from the dead. But God's word is powerful. So, hey, uh, miraculous ministry is empowered by God's word. Now, if you don't know the word, it's going to hard, be hard to lean on the word and use the word uh, and use the authority of God in the word if you don't know the word. So it's important and, 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 and paramount that we, we hide God's word in our heart and we, we cause God's word to grow in our life. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what small groups is all about. That's what, uh, you know, coming to church on Sunday morning is all about. That's what your daily private Bible study and, and devotional time is about. Getting God's word in your heart, allowing it to build your faith and you live and move and you walk by faith, not by sight. And you become, like, like it said in the scripture, he, sent, he saw the faith that he had to be healed. Okay? God's word. Number two, uh, God's will. Miraculous ministry is empowered by God's will. Uh, Matthew chapter 8. Let me show you this uh, rather quickly. I'll get over there. You can turn if you want, but I'll get there quick. And, and because we... Uh, Matthew 8. And when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you were willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, I just believe God is always willing. Now, I'm not saying, hey, I don't want to get into a deep, dark or a deep and wide theological discussion why some people are healed and some are not. I'm just telling you, uh, when you begin to move in this level of life, uh, the will of God, I, I just believe that he commissioned us to go and heal the sick, heal the sick, heal the sick, and do miracles and raise the dead and cast out devils, freely if you see, freely uh, uh, give, that it's the will of God to move through us supernaturally. Amen. So it's empowered by God's word, God's will. And number three, miraculous ministry is empowered by God's spirit. I want you to look at this verse. Go to 1 Corinthians 2. I want you to see this one. Turn over here. Paul the apostle, he embraced this. God moved through him supernaturally uh, uh, in, in many different ways. And, and not only to him, but through him. But look what he said in chapter 2. I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. Now you catch this. He's not playing the, the big apostle card here. He's not saying, I'm your man. Line up, bring your offerings. Allow me to pray for you. He's very humble. He's very meek. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. But catch this. But in demonstration of the spirit and power. You see, we don't have to have all the right words and the charisma and the, and the pulpit presence. All we have to have is the Holy Spirit moving through us. The Holy Spirit, the, the, the power of the Spirit, the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And he said that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God's Spirit gives us power. 
And then finally, miraculous ministry is empowered not only by God's word, by God's will and God's spirit, but it's empowered by our faith. Now catch this. Oh, not my faith. Uh, uh, it's all, hey, it's all God. No. You remember what he said? Well, we've read one where, was it Peter or, John, Peter or, or Paul perceiving his faith to be healed? He declared over him. Here's another one. Uh, remember the woman with the issue of blood? Uh, Jesus is walking through life and she reaches out. She said, I know if I touch him, I'll be healed. She, she knew she had faith and he reached out and touched her and, and she was immediately healed and he felt virtue go out of his body. He wasn't praying for her. He wasn't ministering to her. He had something on the inside, but, uh, but she touched him in faith, whirled around. He said, who touched me? The disciples, Jesus, everybody's touching you. Everybody wants a piece of you, Jesus. He said, no, uh, uh, some Somebody touched me, uh, you know, in, in faith. And this little woman, I, you know, and uh, all of a sudden, she, you know, the healing was made known. And she, he said, to, he said, your faith has made you well. He took no credit. Your faith in who? In him. And so uh, there's all kinds of different, uh, you know, others' faith can bring healing into your life. Your faith can bring healing into your life. Your faith can bring healing into other people's life. But hey, that's where the Word of God comes into play. Uh, It builds our faith. And here's where I I just want us to close tonight. And In fact, uh, I want us just to, in our hearts, begin to embrace this reality. And I believe and I'm praying and I'm asking God to help me in my life reposition myself at a place where just on a personal level, you know, I'm the preacher and I'm not a faith healer. But let me tell you what I am. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am am a, 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 a child of God. I have a Delegate, I have a delegated authority from heaven. I've got all, he's given me all authority to, to not only preach the gospel, but to speak and trust and see God heal people through our ministry. But I think that's for all of us. And so I want to begin to reposition myself. I'm about to be 60 this year, and I I don't want to come to the close of my life and have not made the most of every opportunity. I wonder how many miracles pass us by because we don't make the most of those opportunities. How many divine appointments go undone because we are singing ho-hum, the tune is dumb, the words don't mean a thing. Isn't this a silly song for anyone to sing? And we're just going through life and we're going, well, Lord, bless them. And God may want to move through you to them. And you say, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I'm going to give you. I'm going to pray for a miracle. Amen? I'm going to speak a miracle over your life. Yeah, but what if it doesn't happen? Not my job to, 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 I don't want to go down that road. And, 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 and 
let me tell you what I want to do. I want to start erasing question marks and rather than making more. Okay. I don't know everything. How many of you don't know everything? I know one time Jesus prayed for somebody who was blind. It took him two or three. The first time he said, I see men as trees walking. Uh, he prayed two or three times before the total manifestation took place. Uh, and, and when you look at Scripture, there's all kinds of, there's no simple method to get people healed. So like I said, sometimes it's this guy's faith, that guy's faith, my faith, your faith, nobody's faith. Just Jesus walked into somebody's world, boom, and heals them, uh, you know. And gosh, think of about the guys who let the guy down through the, through the roof. You know, they had enough faith to tear up somebody's house now to get somebody to Jesus. Okay? Amen. Let's stand up. Lord Jesus, tonight, we ask you to help us break through to another level of miraculous ministry. Lord, not for fame and glory, but for the advancement of your kingdom and your, and your ultimate glory. Because what makes you happy is when that which is lost is found. And Lord, we know you want to move not just to us, but through us. Lord, I lift my hands, Lord, as your servant. And Lord, freely you've given to me. I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord God, that I would just give away what you've given to me, that we would give away what you've given to us, and we'd begin to believe you and trust you and see you do miracles in our midst, not in this, in this, just in this church, but through this church. May this church become a miracle ministry church. May the ambassadors in this church and the, and the ministers and the servants in this church become miracle-minded, Lord God. And we began to see the manifestation of the miraculous, not just in this room, Lord God, but all over this region and around the world. And Lord, we thank you for it. We speak a miracle once again into Kenny's wife right now in the name of Jesus. We speak miracles into Sharon's neck and her back in the name of Jesus. We speak miracles in Johnny's body in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for it and we give you praise and glory. And Lord, use us as supernatural ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody say, So be it in me, Lord. Amen.